0: Hello, and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each Sunday, you'll join us at the Messiah Lutheran Church Bible Study Class, led by Pastor Jim Otte. This week, we are continuing our series in the book of Matthew titled, Living the Life of the Beloved and the Belonged. Enjoy.
1: All right, well, let's get into our lesson for today. We're in lesson 13, and we're looking at, uh, at Matthew 6, verses 5 to where, where, wherever we go. But I want to sort of bring out some things from last week. So the first thing is a reminder to you that painters and pointers, we've talked about that a little bit, they're both gifts from God, okay? So a painter is somebody like me who just goes on and on and on and on and on, right? And a pointer is what? Somebody who says, can you hurry up and make whatever the point is that you're trying to make? So we talked about that some that sometimes painters have to talk for 15 minutes before they figure out what the point is. Right. And sometimes they get lost. The point gets lost. All right. And that happens to me a lot. Uh, And then painters are, I mean, pointers are people who get kind of antsy, get kind of restless if you don't get to the point that you need to make. So this is it's a communication style, very much of a difference, but um, we've had some fun with it. Uh, in terms of kind of talking about the way in which we end up sort of talking past each other oftentimes because of that particular uh, communication difference. Okay. Did anybody have any uh, painter pointer uh, drama that happened this week? Painter pointer drama. Okay. We all still like each other. Good. All right. Great. The second one is that gratitude for what God has given drives generosity. We talked some about that, 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 uh, when it comes to uh, doing your Christianity, so to speak, not just in terms of your faith walk internally, but also the way in which you live it, live it out, and that's in, in particular have talked about that with respect to uh, the Jewish practice of giving alms, of uh, providing for the poor, that was part of the, uh, the Jewish uh, piety, the Jewish practice practice. Uh, of uh, how they do their faith. And so that's what led us into talking about uh, our own giving and stewardship and, and our motives for doing that. And so Jesus is has been very pointed in in these verses, and we'll see that again today, is where the caution is, is that if you are doing your spirituality in a way that others notice, in other words, that it's public, there's nothing wrong with doing your Christianity in public. What well, that's actually a good thing. But the caution is what? If other people see you do what you do, what's the caution? That then you're not doing it for what reason? To be seen by others. See, now it could be that, that sometimes there's persecution, and, and so then the opposite is true. When others see what we're doing, and then they persecute that persecute us for that, right? The temptation is to say, well, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to take the heat. See, I don't want to be known as a public Christian, because if I am, then I know there's going to be some pushback. I know there's going to be somebody that's going to put a target on my back. Do I really want that? And so, see, just the opposite happens then. This idea of being seen by others can have a positive, there can be a positive aspect to it, and there can be a negative. And Jesus is saying, it isn't about what others think. It isn't about that. It's about serving him. And when you serve him, then you have to kind of take what comes with it. But but to be aware of how easy it is to, to base your motivation for doing it on the basis of what other people will think of you, either positively or negatively. Yeah, Marvin. What
2: do you think about in, in terms of doing for the right <clears throat> room when you pray in a public restaurant?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well... I mean, again, it, so we're going to talk about prayer, that praying today, okay? And we kind of talk a little bit about that. Personally, as more of a shy person growing up, I was mortified at the idea of praying out loud in a restaurant with everybody in my family, like five kids and my parents right there. It was like, oh, God, do we have to do this? You know, it was like that. I'm not, I'm not as shy about that anymore as I used to be. And in fact, when I've done that, I've had... Waitresses and other people say, "Wow, that's really cool," and it's like I'm going, "What?" You know, it's like, I you you're not looking for that, right? But I, you know, again, I guess there could be some possibility in there somewhere. But that but that's true for anything we do. See, anything you do publicly, where other people notice, if in their noticing they. They're like mean to you, or they're hostile to you. Well, then that would be enough for us to say, "Oh, I'm not doing it anymore." We'll see. Then what's my motive? Pleasing them, you know, or or avoiding whatever the whatever comes back to me. In the same way that if I do it and people come up to me and say, "Oh, that was a fantastic prayer. Oh, my life was changed. That was so awesome." Well, then you think, "Man, I got to do more of that," you know. So I mean, you know, you still end up with the same problem, right? is that in that moment, it's not about God. In that moment, it's about you. Yeah. Okay? Yeah.
2: yeah a couple of times, only for you. Yeah. Uh, when the waiter says, is there anything else I can do? Yeah. I said, well, we're about to pray over the food. You can join us. And
1: they have. <laughs> wow.
2: That's kind of a new experience.
1: Wow, that is. They thank us.
2: They say thank
1: you. Wow. So if we ever go to lunch, will you give me heads up on whether or not... <laughs> You're going to do that. Yeah. Geesh. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Again, you know, sometimes shyness just, is just shyness. I mean, sometimes that sort of kicks in, but good for you to do that. Good for, good for you to do that. Yeah. Awesome. And then we talked about what makes it possible for you to uh, love your enemies and pray for people that persecute you. What makes it possible for you to do that? Is that what, is it that you are such a good person and you're able to do that? No because most of us are good people and we could probably do it that much quarter inch for about two seconds. Right. But when, when, when he talks about this from that idea of love your enemies and then pray for those that persecute you, it, the, it doesn't come out in the English so well, but the Greek words are the, the, the tense of the Greek verb is that this is continuous action. And so the idea is to do it and There is a temptation in there for us that if I do it, they'll be nicer to me because the Holy Spirit will work on their hearts and will change them and they'll become Christian and then they'll be nicer. And that's the way we sort of think about it sometimes. Well, what happens if you love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you and they never stop and they're sticking to sticking it to you left and right? What what then? Is there a limit to how much loving we should do and how much praying for people we should do not till you get to heaven, not to get to heaven. So that's why it takes the power of God to do it. It literally takes the power of God to do it. Now, does that mean, and we talked about this too, is that when, if you're in a situation where someone is abusing you, okay, like family abuse or, or, or child abuse or wife abuse or husband abuse or or something like that, you have to, you have to make yourself safe. I mean, you have to be safe. And it might well be that you have to love that person from a distance. And that's legit. That's legit. Love, love them from a distance. But you can still pray for them. And so what is it we pray for when people are sticking it to us? We pray that God will stick it to them. Is that kind of what we're... <laughs> Oh, Lord, yes, oh, Lord, you know better than I do what that person needs, and here, let me give you a list, okay? Yeah, no, we pray for what? Pray for God to bless them. And if you want to experience the power of God in your life, then pray for God to bless somebody who you feel is not a blessing to you. The benefit of that will be, in some way, to that other person. But the amazing benefit will be to you because you will find a peace in your heart that you can't explain and that in an amazing way, other people will be watching you and they'll go, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. And then that's the opportunity to share what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Clint.
2: We had family altar and dad made it very, uh, he, he gave us the opportunity, not just opportunity, but the the commission that we would each lead family altar on a given day of the week.
1: So family altar, is that like family devotions? We're talking about kind of the same thing. Okay. Yeah. You grew up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That leads kind of leads into the next little opening discussion. What was your childhood experience with prayer? What kind of traditions did you grow up with? Some of us are PKs and so we probably have a certain uh, commonality in some of our traditions growing up. So prayer, did anybody grow up with prayer in the home and or and or devotions or to what degree or another, Fred?
2: Yeah, we always did family devotions
1: after supper. After supper? And
2: so then we always kind of creative ways of how
1: to get out of it. Get, get yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sports. Okay, I got I got home late because of sports. Yeah. So as young kid, we were
2: we were offered the opportunity to read, either read the
1: Bible Oh, read the Bible out loud. Yeah. And that was both an honor and
2: some type of activity.
1: Yeah, all at once. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Anybody else? Family devotions growing up with that? Yeah. Marilyn? Yes? Mostly every day. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody grew up with Little Visits with God? Remember that book, Little Visits with God? Yeah, we all kind of did. Some of us did. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and they would have pictures in there. And, uh, you know, that kind of became the, sort of the, uh, the expected thing. It's, I don't know. I've never actually done a, a poll or a survey to find out how many families do that today. I think one of the cool things in our church is the footprints of faith that we do with the little bitty kids and then each sort of stage in life that they have um, kind of works up to uh, today when they get, when they get confirmed. So that's an intentional um, effort on our part to reinforce the idea that family devotions from the little bitty kids on up is really a good thing. It really is a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, okay. And so how many of you had nighttime prayers? Now I lay me down to sleep. How many of you had that one? And then how did you feel about if I should die before I wake? <laughs> right? Yeah. And I never, you know, I thought about it later. I thought maybe we shouldn't say, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Kind of sounds like there's some doubt in there that, uh, you know, maybe how, what kind of kid I was would, uh, would determine that. Yeah. Somebody had their hand up. Kim. Yeah. We've
2: altered that prayer for
1: Christian. You've altered that prayer for a Christian. Okay.
2: Um, we, we leave off. But if the, I die before. If I words, die. Yeah. And then he goes into praying for the
1: rest of the family. Oh, you did. So you're not going to traumatize your child through that prayer then? Yeah. Okay. Very good. That's a good way to do that. He already
0: asked us, he says, you, you know, when are you going to die? Here? Yeah. Stuff like that. He, I mean,. If he hears something on the TV where people have died, he really goes Well, that. see,
1: and I think that's maybe some sensitivity to that makes a lot of sense. That's a, That would be a common sense kind of thing, yeah. So, you know, again, some of the some of the stuff we grew up with, you, you, you look at it now and you go, oh, how did we even get through that? Yeah. Uh, Bob. Uh, the library has a lot of material. If you want to have devotions to little ones mm-hmm. or personal devotions yeah. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Good to know. And the library is just down the hall right over there. you right. OK. Very good. Very good. And then uh, table prayers. How many of you had the old Lutheran table prayer? Come Lord Jesus. Yes. Now, how many of you are aware of the Keishnick rule? Are you aware of the Kishnick rule? I always I always have uh, Pastor Coleman make sure that he And when we have a congregational gathering and then we're all there and we're all going to say the common table prayer, that he invokes the the Kishnick rule. So this goes back to when Jerry Kishnick was uh, president of the district, Texas district, and we would have these big gatherings and there. So you'd have like, you know, 600 people and 300 pastors. Okay. We're going to do the common table prayer. So uh, Jerry Kishnick would always say, okay, now here's the deal. When we get to the uh, these gifts or thy gifts, it's going to be thy thy gifts. So, his rule was that everybody had to say the same thing at the same time. Well, you know, telling pastors what to do is like herding cats. So, we all just would laugh about it, and then everybody does their own thing. But you could always tell that there were a few really radicals in there who would say, these thy gifts and then, oh man, that just threw it off. So, so uh, uh, if you ever hear me talk about the Kishnick rule, now you'll know what it is I'm talking about when we have, uh, when we have church gatherings. Yeah.
2: I got, when after at golf, when I play with pastor, Yeah. We, we usually have a hot dog in that afterwards. Yeah. And we say grace at the
1: table. Wow. And he
2: keeps going with these gifts and I say this food.
1: <laughs> that's how I was raised. so. Yeah. So how many times have you been invited to golf anyway, huh?
2: Apparently he doesn't object that. Yeah,
1: apparently not. Well, some of you should probably pray before you play golf. That probably, would be a, that probably would be a good thing, don't you think? Yeah, that's good. Well, anyway, prayer, we're going to talk about prayer because prayer is a really, it's a powerful thing. And sometimes I think, at least until recent days, that prayer has has not gotten the emphasis that it has deserved in our in our Christian walk the way that studying the word has and and going to worship certainly and um, and also to some degree uh, uh, partic- participating in the sacraments that in Lutheran world that gets the heavy doses of of what it uh, of what we need for the to, for the growth of our faith and, and our walk with Jesus. In, uh, in some other denominations, prayer is hit really hard. and I think some of that's just b- that they're oriented that way. And so we can really grow. We need some some growth in that area to talk about prayer and uh, to kind of focus on that. Okay. So as we get into the verses for today, verses five to eight, we see a kind of a continuation of that same pattern where Jesus has says, when you do this, don't be like the hypocrites. Okay. Now, just for the sake of everybody be on the same page, what is a hypocrite? What does that mean that somebody's a hypocrite?
2: Someone they, has, they don't do what they say. They, they <laughs> want everybody to see what they're saying
1: and they want it. Okay. And family. So there's a disingenuousness there with a hypocrite. So the actual, the Greek word means actor is what it means. So somebody who's playing a part. So I'm looking like this when in reality I'm like that. Okay. And the, the and that, the, the thing that I'm like is in here. See, it's in my heart I'm, I'm not really exercising faith. I'm just doing this because it's good for business, or I'm just doing this because people will like me, or I'm just doing this because it's important to my reputation, all of which is good, but that's not the primary motive behind our doing what we do. Okay? So Jesus says, starting out in verse five, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward or their payment in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans. They must have been painters, right? For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask them. Okay. Some notes here uh, that I have in your outline with respect to how a good Jew would view prayer. So one of the ancient rabbinic sayings was he who prays within his house Surrounds it with a wall that is stronger than iron. I like that. I think that again it it kind of uh, uh, accentuates the power of prayer. God is already there, but the, it is the power of prayer that uh, sort of harnesses that uh, in your in your life. So a little thing about the Jewish um, prayer life is that their liturgies mandated that a person would say certain prayers that were memorized and then would be by rote in your mind and then three times a day you wherever you were if you were in the marketplace or if you were at home or wherever you would be on the road wherever it was you would stop three times a day mid it would be mid morning noonish and mid afternoon and then you would pray. And the, and the posture for prayer was face up like this. So if you're out in public, it was very likely then that people would say, oh, there's a guy that's praying because that's the posture of prayer. And it happens to be the time of the day when, uh, when that would happen. We see some of that, but it's a different posture in uh, folks uh, from the Muslim traditions, right? Right because that theirs is also very prescribed. There's uh, certain memorized uh, words that are said, but the, the little rug is pulled out and then it's uh, it's more of a prostrate, a prostrate sort of thing than it is a, uh, a, a lifting up Up. Yes. Somebody had their hand up. Yeah, no. Okay. All right. So um, pagans and the pagans also exercise prayer as well. We remember the story of uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings. Remember the, the big tests that they were going to have about whose God was going to be the most powerful, right? And so then we're told that in 1 Kings 18, they, that's the prophets of Baal, took the bull that was given them and prepared it. So they laid it out on the altar. They killed it. They slaughtered it, did all the things they do ritually. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response, no one answered, and they danced around the altar that they had made. So that was very much a part of the the pagan sort of uh, exercise, if you will, of their religion. But the thought was there that the more that we say the words and the more pure we are in our hearts and motives... Then the God will answer us. The God will do what it is we uh, that we want Him to do, and uh, and so then that became the basis of their prayer. Does anybody know what happened in that story? By the way, what happened? Nothing. Well, nothing happened here. But then what happened afterwards? Yeah. It not only burned
2: up the bull, but the altar and the whole mess.
1: There was no more bull, was there? Right? Yeah. No bull. That's it. And then they had a barbecue afterwards. So that was very good. One of the first biblical barbecues that ever took place was right there. All right. So Jesus says, again, the caution is to be what? Seen. Make sure that you're not doing this for the wrong reason. Uh, The reason being simply uh, seen by others. Okay. And so, again, I pointed out this idea that no matter where a Jew was, if he was going to be a good Jew, a devout Jew, Then he had to stop wherever he was and make sure that he took care of that praying aspect. Okay, next page. All right. So the beloved life principle number 30 is you have fallen into the trap of being seen by others when you worry, when you worry too much about what others think of the quality of your public praying. Now I'm, i I am deliberately touching on a nerve for a lot of us, turtle people, turtle people are kind of introverted and we kind of get nervous in front of people. And if you're a painter turtle, well, then you just go on and on and on. Or if you're not, you just kind of shut down and don't know what to say or what to think. So how many of you have had some experience with praying out loud in front of other people? Okay, Hi, are you comfortable with that? Some people are, some people aren't. Some of us, I had to kind of train myself to do it. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this. And of course you wouldn't notice it because your, your heads are bowed and your eyes are shut. And so how would you notice this when I'm praying up here at the end of class? But I close my eyes. And the reason I do that is because as a visual sort of processor that, what that means is I take in a lot of information visually like right now those of you that have a smile on your face I am zeroing in on you and thinking oh yeah you're getting it and then those of you that have frowns on your face I won't even look at you so um so that's how visual processing works but I've noticed that when I pray out loud in front of people and my eyes are open I get distracted And so the best way for me to do this and get through it is to do this. And when I do this, then I can see God there. And it's like I'm talking to him and you all are listening in, but I'm talking to him. Now, I can't explain why that works for me. It does work for me. And if it works for you, that'd be a good thing to do. But you have to figure out what is going to be your way to do it. The temptation always would be for me is to worry too much about my theology when I'm praying, right? Oh, am I getting the words right? So that really shows up when I am praying out loud with a bunch of pastors. It's just part of the deal, right? And that may happen to you too, that depending on who you're with and the setting where you are, you may end up, if you're called upon to pray out loud, uh, verbally, that then you would maybe have to shut your eyes to do it. I don't. Know, does that work for anybody or is that, am I the only one up here kind of weird that way? Please, one person raise your hand, please. That would be so nice. Thank you. Okay. See, I don't want to, I, I know I am kind of weird that way, but it'd be nice to have you affirm that less. Anybody who
2: prays with their eyes open. Do what? I don't know anybody who like prays with their eyes open unless they're yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think if you're driving your car, if you're driving in your car, that probably would be better to have your eyes open. But I get what you're saying. No, it's Yeah, totally. Yeah, Doris. Um, I
2: heard a story the other day. Uh, the Hope Center over here, which is a Christian-based yeah. organization, and Joan Kunkel, I don't know if some of you know her, She went over there to interview for a job, and the first thing they asked
1: her to do, first thing, not tell your name, pray. Pray. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm sure she did a great job.
1: Yeah, but still, it's like, that just doesn't happen that often. Yeah, and again, see, that's, in our tradition, Lutheran tradition, that's not the first thing that pops in our head. The first thing that pops in our head is are you do you are you active in a church home and and are you regular in your attendance and do you study the word and see that's I'm not saying that's bad I'm just saying that you can sort of tell that where the historical uh uh precedence has been for us is word and sacrament that's I mean that's like the giant thing for us and and prayer sort of sometimes gets treated like a second A a, a, a second place thing, and it's not, nor should it ever be. Yeah, somebody else. Yeah, Bob.
2: Yeah, I I agree. It's good to have times to pray. Yeah. But the Bible says pray at all times.
1: Yeah.
2: And we ought to be walking with God and talking to Him. Yeah. Sort of like Tibia in uh, Filler on the Road. As he walks around doing his farm, work, he's mm. talking to God the whole time. The whole
1: time, yeah.
2: And, and we, are, we are told to pray at all times.
1: Well, and I kind of think that what that's talking about is just the idea that the, a reminder that we can't, we tend to do this, but we ought not to compartmentalize our lives as if to think, well, okay, now here's when I'm with Jesus and then here's when I'm not. And here's when I'm talking to him and here's when I'm not, you know, a little bit as if somehow that would be possible. It's impossible, but it's in our minds. We kind of do that. And I think that that pray without ceasing verse that he talks about is a reminder that all of our life is with Jesus. And so all of my thoughts and all of my words and all of my deeds, it's that oneness thing that we've talked about that he's like right there, right there. And so it would be like having this like ongoing conversation. And for those of you like me who are very comfortable with the idea of talking to yourself, then that really fits in perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. But sometimes the words we say to ourselves, we wouldn't want Jesus to hear. Right. And so that's just a reminder that uh, that that would be there, especially if like you're playing golf or something. Right. Yeah. Richard.
2: You know, the (laughs) thing about it is it makes me think, you know, like when we get in our car to go where we're going. Yeah. Well the reason why we don't do that is we're always in a hurry. Yeah. And we're always anxious.
1: Mm, yeah. And it
2: probably is a like a warning sign, pray always. You know, before we take off today. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: We should say a prayer and slow down.
1: Slow down. Let's work on that. That would be a good that'd be a good thing to try to do. Yeah, oh yes.
2: I don't know how many of you saw
1: the Belmont Stakes? yesterday. The Belmont stakes, Yeah, the horse race? Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. And the jockey? Oh, yeah. Very genuine. He was praising God. You know, he said Right he after you that, that race. Belmont, and, you know, first, yeah. so happy praising God, not only him, but also, I think you're the owner or the trainer. Yeah. first thing they say is praising God. Mm-hmm. To me it was very genuine. It
1: was yeah. for the audience. Yeah, like oh, everybody's taking a picture so I better do that. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I I heard that he won that race but I didn't see th- I didn't see that race. So, okay. All right. Now Jesus says, okay, now, so so don't do this just to be seen by others. But then he goes on to sort of articulate in a little deeper way then how, what, what this prayer would look like. So he says, when you pray, go into your room. Now, some of the translations actually say, go into your inner room or go into your closet. And what's interesting about that is that Jewish houses didn't have closets. Jewish houses didn't have inner rooms. It was just one big room is what it was. Okay. So it's sort of thought here that what Jesus is doing is using the room, the word room as a metaphor and that the metaphor is the idea of your heart, of your soul, right? You can pray out in public. You can pray uh, in the presence of other people, but there's also great value in the idea that you go inside of yourself, if you will, and pray. And so then you close the door. Well, again, close the door. Uh, if we're talking metaphor here, um, what is the door that should be closed if you're thinking in terms of internally? So I got to thinking about, okay, what are the doors that I keep open when I'm trying to have a quiet time with Jesus? What are the doors I need to shut in order to sort of retain that sense of it's just him and me and there's no distractions. So to think of it from that perspective, what distracts you? Cell phone is a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Anything that goes beep, beep or anything that has little lights flashing, anything that's sparkly. Tom, I'm sorry, you were pointing at someone when you said that? My lovely wife is... uh
2: that I may maintain my concern about it almost all the time. So it does impact
1: my uh, order. So, so what is the point you're trying to make here exactly? I'm not, uh, you're painting a little bit and even I have now gotten lost. Yes. There are the things that we
2: should tune out, but there are some things that we should, some blessings that we should always be.
1: Yes, and now you're schwaffling so easily, so well, that I personally am now going to walk away from you And yes, but could other people be a distraction from which we need to unplug? Yes, yes. Yes, okay, yes. And could worry about other people or anger about other people or whatever it is about other people, could that distract us? Yes. So what are we to do with that if we're going to pray and have that sort of solitude moment with Jesus in our prayer life. What are you going to do when, when you're praying and you're like doing your thing and then all of a sudden you have a little pop-up thing that shows up in your brain. And it's what that person said the other day that just ticked you off. And you you have no idea why you thought of it. And it wasn't the devil. It just was in that moment. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Are we getting personal here? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) What are you going to do? Pray for him. You pray for him. You pray for him. You say, oh, thank you, Lord, for that reminder. <laughs> Bless that person. And then you go on. That's what you do. See, love your enemies and what? Pray for those that annoy and irritate you. Okay, that's the idea. So, so you think in terms of that way, but, but I do think that when it comes to the practical application of this, I've noticed for myself that I have gotten so attached to my phone that it's like even when I'm praying or having quiet time with God, there's like this little voice in the back of my head going, you know, you're missing out on something. You know, there's there's probably some things going on in the world that you need to know about. Okay. And that tells me that there's a little bit too much of an attachment to whatever that phone promises in the form of that could easily become an addiction. And I think for many of us it is, even if we don't want to ever admit it. Okay? So the idea is to unplug. And part of the deal with unplugging is literally training yourself that you unplug and then you train yourself to be unplugged. So how do you train yourself to be unplugged? Number one, you have to unplug. And you probably have to take that device and do what with it? Put it somewhere where you can't hear it. You can't feel the vibration of it. And you can't see the little red light that goes off when something important that you need to remember and know about is happening in the world. That's what you have to do. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. Okay? How many of you have found that when you're in a conversation with another human that you find yourself thinking, gee, what's on my phone? I better go check my phone. How many of you? Come on. How many of you? Okay. See, that tells us that if we're doing that with humans, imagine how we're doing that with Jesus. Okay. Because he's invisible and it's kind of hard to, you know, do it that way. So it's just, it's just giving some thought to that is what we're talking about here. Okay. It's giving some thought to it and being a little bit more intentional about what are those things that would distract us and to to follow Jesus' guidance here in terms of closing the door. Close the door, which means don't uh, give those things unfettered access to you in such a way that it starts to get in the way of your prayer life and and you're talking and walking with Jesus. Okay, you with me so far? Okay, good. So Jesus says then, when you pray do not keep on babbling. So there's that sort of idea here that the pagan belief was that the quality of the prayer and the likelihood of it being answered was dependent on how well you said it and how often you did and then how sincere you were when you were saying it, right? And so there were these mantras, you know, these these phrases that were said over and over and over and over and over again. And we still see that in some of the Eastern religions, okay? In some of the Eastern religions today, there is the, you'll get this sort of, um, mm, sort of stuff, okay? And some of that is designed, it's intended to, uh, cleanse the mind, and keep the mind from uh, being distracted and those kinds of things, okay? So uh, that's the the point of that. So he says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling, all right? And then he says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, if that's the case, why pray? So I'm just going to drink my coffee while we mull that one over. Why pray?
0: Because you need guidance.
1: Know what you need. He knows what you need, okay. you need guidance to get there. We need guidance to get there. And so we're praying to God so that he will give us guidance. Okay. Very good. Okay. Yes.
0: Sometimes being
2: quiet in prayer time is just opening your heart and mind to listen for what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you, like you said, the guidance of imparting some sort of
1: wisdom as to where to go,
0: some yeah
2: kind of from that time of listening
1: for his answer to. So, okay, so if I'm hearing you right, I think I'm hearing that God answers prayers. But sometimes the way he answers them is that it's in such a whisper that in my sort of noisy, frantic, you know, stuffed life with activity and all kinds of words and things going on, that, that he's like going, hey, here's what you do, here's what you do. And I'm going, what, what, what? And I can't hear you. Speak louder, speak louder. And, and he isn't going to speak louder. And so he says, if you want to really hear me, you got to shut up long enough for me to do it, right? I mean, that's kind of, is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, Christina. God wants a relationship with us, right? What? God wants a relationship with us. So you can't really have a relationship
2: if you never talk to him.
1: Well, that's a good point right there. So maybe it's not about praying just for the needs I have, but maybe it's more of an expression of the, the, the conversation, the relationship, the, the connection, if you will. Yeah. So I, that, and that's kind of where I lean toward the idea. Yeah. The father already knows what you need. The problem is, is that sometimes I think I don't need the father. I just need what I need. Right. And so if I can just get everything I need, well, then why do I need the Father? And prayer is the reminder to me that I need Him. And then out of my relationship with Him comes talking to Him about what I need. And of course, I need everything. There is no want for me. It's just plain old need, right? I just need everything. But that's where kind of he helps me learn the difference between what I want and what I need. And that's part of the dependency uh, aspect. Yes, Bob. That was the same
2: thing I was going to say. We don't like to admit it, but it shows our dependence on God for everything.
1: Yeah. And who wants to admit that in America, right? I mean, we're really all about being independent. Yes. And stand up on my own, and, and by golly, I can make it in the world, and I don't need anybody. That's that's kind of the way we often will think. And the whole idea that I would need that somebody else, like God, hello, what what is that about? Yeah. Uh,
2: the two verses that comfort me greatly is Romans 8, 26 and 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will.
1: So think about the last time that you couldn't pray. And it's not that somebody was keeping you from praying. It's that whatever the situation was that you were in, you just, you, you couldn't come up with words, nor did you even have the energy to do it, whatever that is. So when that happens, and it's happened to every single one of us, I would guess. Don't have to worry about it. Holy Spirit's going to pray for you right then. And he'll pray... Like, he doesn't have to shut his eyes in order to pray. He can just do it. See, he he gets it right. And you don't have to worry about getting the words right. And even if you said the right thing or you asked for the right thing, don't have to worry about that. So that's what that's talking about. Yeah. Somebody else. Story, yeah. A couple of
2: weeks ago, uh, uh, this Bible study, and I got you. This woman said that uh, she was in her kitchen and it was in the morning and she was, you know, wiping the counters off and everything. She said she just felt this heaviness. to Go pray for her son. She said he's in college. He's still living at home, but you know he yeah. had gone uh, to class. Uh-huh. And she said I just felt this need to pray for him. She said and I didn't know what. She said so I went up to his room and I was just like God, you know, I don't know what to what to pray for. You know what yeah. it is. She said she prayed for a little while and then uh, she came back downstairs and she said she went downstairs but put. Two minutes and the phone rang and it was her son and he was crying and and, uh, he said, mom, I almost got hit by an 18 wheeler. Oh, yeah. Um, He said he wrecked his bike and, you know, all this, but he wasn't hit. But she said, you know, prayer is really powerful.
1: Very powerful deal. Okay, okay. so now I want to ask a question because we're at the end of our time. So we're coming right up to then Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. And it's the Lord's Prayer. Okay. So originally I wasn't going to go into detail on the Lord's Prayer. We've done that in other classes. But I want to know if you want to do that, we can do that. I just need to know if you want to do that or not. Would you like to do that where we go into detail with the Lord's Prayer? Because uh, uh, there's really some great stuff. In, uh in the in the catechism and some of the stuff that we were all, uh, many of us were raised with, not everybody, but we, a lot of us were raised with, and it's good to hear that refresher again and be reminded that there's more to the Lord's Prayer than just all the words we've memorized. And 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 memorization, by the way, is that a good thing? Dude, I don't want I don't want you to hear me think it, saying that's a bad thing. It's a really good thing. But sometimes you can get into rote mode, right, and you rip through the Lord's Prayer. And then, uh, you know, maybe you got your day planned or something and you didn't really stay focused on what what was being said. OK, well, then I'll adjust our our lesson for next week to include the petitions and all that kind of thing. OK, very good. Well, let's close our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that your word speaks to us. It is it, just so relevant to us and it speaks to us in a way that really hits us in our heart, and our soul. It's so easy, Lord, as a public Christian to to sort of get twisted up in this idea that somehow what other people think of our praying and what other people think of our walk with you becomes so important. It certainly is important to be able to connect to people, Lord, but at the same time, we, we can so easily begin to worry too much about what other people think about our Christianity. So I would simply pray, dear Lord, that you would remind each of us that you are in us and you walk with us each day. We are one with you as you are one with the Father, you promise. And so as we walk through our day, I pray, Lord, that that the uh, joy that we have uh, through faith in you will leak out and others will wonder about that and want to know. And that will give us an opportunity to share that faith with them. Watch over us uh, this day, dear Lord, and the coming days of this week. Bless our kiddos who are going to be confirmed uh, in about an hour or so. We pray that you be with them and and the blessing that that is to their families and the joy that they share in knowing you. And we pray those things in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us an email with your question or comment to messiahlutheranpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to read it during an upcoming class. You can also go to our website at www.messiahlutheranpodcast.com, where you can find links to all the previous episodes and copies of our class notes in case you want to follow along with each episode. You can also find out where to subscribe to the podcast at messiahlutheranpodcast.com slash subscribe for links on how you can find us on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any other podcast catcher of your choice. If you feel like we have given you any value during this podcast, please consider going to our podcast page in iTunes and leaving a rating or a review. Not only will that provide us with valuable feedback that we can use to improve the podcast for you, but it will help this podcast to climb the iTunes rankings and help us spread God's message to anyone willing to listen. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.